destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives one story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show Quick Rant. You know, I wasn't going to do a full podcast this week because we've got some vacation time and I wanted to be able to just sit back and enjoy our vacation, but I felt it was need- it was needed for a quick rant at the very least. I got to give you something this week because what's going on is completely freaking ridiculous, but it's predictable because this is what always happens. You know, we get big news like the IG report come out where FBI agents are basically talking about how they're going to stop an individual, a private citizen from becoming a president, you know, basically affecting his right to run for public office, your right to run for public office, my right to run for public office, just because they don't like you. They're going to use the weaponized bureaucracy against you. And we're supposed to just look the other way. There's no bias there. There's no bias when he says, I'm going to stop him. I don't want him to be my president. F Trump. Yeah, there's no bias. That wouldn't affect your way of thinking. I mean, and then people were actually trying to make that claim. Oh, yeah. He didn't like President Trump. You know, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, they didn't like President Trump. But they put those aside and and conducted an impartial investigation, which is complete and utter bullcrap. But you know what? That's their argument, just like their argument about immigration. And suddenly the immigration debate exploded just out of the blue. Voila! Imagine that. Because it's there for a reason. It's a distraction from things like the IG report. But I felt we needed to poke some holes into some things that I'm seeing. I mean, first off, this is how... All of these cycles go. Okay, first, the administration does something. You know, Jeff Sessions comes out there, quotes the Bible as far as immigration concern goes, and he really didn't do it justice because what he was talking about in Romans, the Apostle Paul did not say, submit to the government no matter what the government tells you. I mean, he didn't do that, and he was beheaded for it. You know, Peter, the disciples, they didn't do it. They were all killed. Peter was crucified upside down by his request because he didn't want to be crucified in the same manner of who he followed, Jesus. I mean, but he was disobeying the law because the governing body was infringing upon his religious beliefs and what his religious beliefs in the scriptures were requiring him or requiring of him. So, you know, Jeff Sessions, he was right on one point because clearly... God says that the you know governing uh, governance and uh, and an body of government is something that is ordained by God. But at the same time, you don't just listen to them when they say something. All right, you do respect government to the point that you respect them as long as they're being respectable. But at the same time, you don't submit to them when it goes above and beyond you know what they their religious infringement goes. You know Kim Davis, anybody. You know, but he gets out there, he makes a statement or Trump makes a statement or the administration does a policy uh, enactment. And then suddenly the media erupts with a narrative that is so loose and false and they go ballistic. They get online and start freaking out, defending MS-13, defending Hamas, defending, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. They go crazy. And then all of a sudden information starts popping up. That starts to poke holes in the narrative, you know. Suddenly we find out those killed at the Gaza border were actually terrorists. Suddenly we see the pictures of kids in cages weren't illegal immigrants at the border. Yeah, that was a protest where, you know, one of the protest leaders decided to pull a little stunt and put a kid in a cage to prove his point. 
had nothing to do with what was going on at the border. Some of the pictures coming out that people were tweeting out were back when Obama was helping flood the border and doing nothing to stop it. You know, when they put the ads out in January for, well, we're going to need some more uh, DHS uh, and ICE agents. So I wonder why. Because six months later, we would have a giant migrant flood and we would need some sort of way to contain it. And then they'll, you know, put them in these crappy uh, warehouses and then they'll, you know, put them on buses and try to flood places like California until the residents get so pissed off. They go beating on the buses, won't let them out. The buses turn around and leave. Does anyone remember that? I do. That was 2014. I remember it quite well. But the news didn't really report it because Obama was in office. You know, we wouldn't want to tar and feather his scandalous free administration. So what happened is they're acting like this is a new thing. You know, this is brand spanking new. And what's up is we're going to use pictures from even back when Obama was in office and his uh, travesty of immigration justice. And we're going to blame it on Trump. All of a sudden, this magically popped up this week. And I was getting people online just going crazy. Suddenly the trolls were out. I guess my shadow bands lifted. But here's the funny thing, the point that I was making. I basically said, you know what? They have serious, serious crime issues. The gang violence is serious. Go back and listen to the podcast that I, I recommended for this week because it covers the drug cartels and their involvement with Hezbollah agents in Latin America and how they're running guns and drugs and sex trafficking and that money is being funneled through car dealerships back to Iran and used for terror. And the and MS-13, they get additional you know kickbacks from Hezbollah because they get weapons, they get training, they get drugs to sell, they get a cut of the drug uh, running. So that's the thing. That's what's happening at the border. And part of it is because a group funded by George Soros is pushing these people up to America and organizations, these Catholic organizations in Texas and what have you, are helping on the on the American end, you know, because George Soros is all about reorganizing the world. He's done it with Syria and he's taken all those people and just dispersed them throughout Europe. And he's doing that here in America with Central and South America. He's going to just push them all up to the border and just disperse them throughout the country. You know, the, the left loves it because they think they're going to get votes out of the deal. The right loves it because they're getting the cheap labor. So that's going on. You got MS-13. You got Hezbollah. You've got Soros-funded groups taking people that are more on the innocent side. And you've got people who are coming up with kids that are either not with any family at all or they're with somebody who isn't a family member, or they're being sold by family members. And all of this is just ridiculous what's happening. And the left is pretending like it's this group of nice, innocent people that, you know, oh, they get here, and then all of a sudden, the ICE agents kidnap them, and then they separate them, and they're sending their dad into jail, and they're leaving their kids in the detention rooms, and, and that's utter bullcrap, okay? Some of them, like I said, they don't, they don't even know. The ICE agents have to discern, is this guy trafficking this kid? Is this guy even with this kid because of a relationship? You know, the one guy they interviewed, they stopped him and said, uh, is this your kid? He said, yeah. And they said, well, um, what's his birthday? He couldn't freaking remember his kid's birthday. So don't tell me. So right there, they're going to have to detain both of them. 
You're not detained in a familial, you know, familial unit. I mean, they don't go, hey, uh, I got to take you into jail. Can you grab your wife and your kids? They're all going to be housed with you. So, yeah, they're being housed separately. But the problem here is what's happening is this is a disingenuous argument. You know, they're, they're leaving countries because of crime. And that was the point that I was making online. People just didn't get it because they're too stupid. They don't understand nuance. The point that I made was, you know what? If crime is the standard, then, or of gang violence, let's say, because here's the thing, you've got MS-13, they're trying to say, well, MS-13 is attacking all these people, so they, they need to come all the way up here, bypass all through these states, take buses from the south border of Mexico and bust them all the way to the north border of Mexico, but not stop in Mexico. And we now have to take them in. These same People that are arguing this are the same anti-American, anti-interventionist, you know, they're those anti-imperialist, and all of a sudden they want us to go be the savior of the world. We got to go take all these citizens from these countries because they've got big gang violence their government can't control. That's not our job. You know, we can be compassionate, but not be stupid at the same time, okay? We, those two things can be possible. We can help, but we don't have to take their citizens away because they can't govern their own country. If that were the case, we have a lot of countries we got to start knocking on doors. But that's the problem. The left is painting it like that. And the argument I made was, okay, well, what, where does Chicago flee? You know, they've got heavy gang violence. I mean, why didn't we repopulate Com uh, the citizens of Compton, you know, in the 80s and 90s when the bloods and the crypts were rampant? You know, of course, the idiots online, they said, well, the, the violence isn't that bad in Chicago. That's conservative talking points. That's bullcrap. People are getting killed in drive-bys. Innocent people. And then the other idiot was like, well, you know, they can go to the suburbs because the suburbs are a white construct from what he was trying to argue. To which I said, well, really, where was the origins of that white construct? Oh, it was FDR's Housing Act. Oh, and he, of course, had to respond back with, well, you know, the Democrats had to side with the, uh, the other uh, slave, uh, bigoted KKK Democrats because they needed the votes. Oh, really? So that's okay? You know, I mean, it's just crap what they're arguing. And then on top of that, they had to turn around and say, oh, well, you know, there's 49 other states there, guy. My point is not that they can go to other localities within the country. My point was, if there is a city with high gang violence, and that's the standard for repopulating the citizens of that area, they're going to need to go to another country. OK, that's the apples to apples comparison. All right. So that's the problem is they're using the standard to be violence. Oh, there's bad violence. There's, you know, gang violence in the nation. And so they should be repopulated, which is garbage. Now, here's the thing. First off, when you want to get into um, what's going on with this refugee situation, we have to look at what you know, the legal side of it is. Where did all this come from and how is it handled legally? Well, I don't like to rest all of my, you know, uh, legal basis on the UN because they're crap. But if you want to take the left's approach and say, well, you know, the UN treaty, you know, the Geneva Convention, blah, 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 Geneva Convention rules everything. Um, let's go back to the 1951 convention. Uh, and this, this, this actually is an accord basically called um it's basically called the asylum and the rights of refugees uh, and it's 
in the International Justice Center. Um, you can find that, IJRcenter.org. But it gives you the breakdown of what the UN requires. And this goes back to 1951. The convention defines a refugee. This is the definition of a refugee. An individual who is outside his or her country of nationality or habitual residence who is unable or unwilling to return due to well-founded fear of persecution based on his race or his or her race, religion, nationality, public or political opinion, or membership in a particular social group. Applying this definition, internally displaced persons, including individuals fleeing natural disasters and generalized violence, stateless individuals not outside their country of habitual residence or not facing persecution, and individuals who have crossed an international border fleeing generalized violence are not considered refugees under either the 1951 convention or the 1967 optional protocol. <laughs> All right. So this is from the asylum and the rights of refugees. And it's the universal declaration of human rights. And that was, it's an article that was added to it right after world war two and with interwar years that preceded it. But you know, so obviously what they're calling refugees uh, now, the refugees now, they don't fit that definition by any means. Going back to it, at the regional level, the rights to seek asylum and freedom of movement can be found within the text, um, the uh, Charter on Human and People, People's Rights, uh, the American Convention on Human Rights, Article 22. The rights are closely related since the inability to return to one country or one's country is the basis of an asylum claim while the ability to leave one's country is a prerequisite for claiming refugee status under the 1951 convention. It talks about how their freedom of movement shall be, you know, uh, covered with that within the state that they seek asylum in. So that's why they're wanting refugee status, because as soon as you're able to gain that, well, then you can go wherever you want. You can be in America, hanging out wherever you please. And persecution is not defined in the 1951 convention or the 1967 optional protocol, in an attempt to provide guidance on what constitutes persecution, they went a little further. And they wanted to include outside, uh, you know, violence. Say a country's trying to take over another country and those people flee. That was added to it. That was allowable. But is that what's going on right down there now? No. And in fact, this same accord basically says you have to seek asylum in a nearby place that offers it. Think of all those countries, Mexico being one of them, that allow asylum in their residence. I mean, they, they allow that. It's a part of, they're one of the ones on the list. But for some reason, El Salvador's or El Salvadorians and Hondurans, they have to drive all the way to the southern border of America to get asylum. And that was my point. We don't need to do that. We don't need to allow that. And if it requires detaining people and trying to vet and figure out who these people are, there's going to be an issue where some are, are going to be uh, separated because of sex trafficking, because of child trafficking, because of drug running. That's all. I mean, it just it is what it is. And part of it goes back to a case that was uh, brought years ago and back in 1997. Back in 1997, there was... Flores versus Reno. And we've got this posted up on Conservative Library if you want to check this out, how we broke it down. But in 1997, the Clinton administration settled a lawsuit, Flores versus Reno. The Flores Agreement established that 
INS policy that unaccompanied minors would be released without necessary delay in order for, of preference, to a parent, legal guardian, adult relative, adult entity designated by parent, legal guardian, licensed program willing to accept legal custody, adult individual or entity seeking custody. The agreement states that until the minor is released, the INS shall place each detained minor in the least restrictive setting appropriate to the minor's age and special needs, provided that such setting is consistent with its interest to ensure the minor's timely appearance before the INS and the immigration courts and to protect the minor's well-being and that of others. The agreement also states the following arrest. The INS shall hold minors in facilities that are safe and sanitary and that are consistent with the INS's concern for the particular vulnerability of minors. Facilities will provide access to toilets, sinks, drinking water and food as appropriate, medical assistance if the minor is in need of emergency services, adequate temperature control and ventilation, adequate supervision to protect minors from others, contact with family members who are arrested with the minor. Some minors, such as those who committed crimes, can be held in juvenile detention facilities instead of a licensed program. So... We've got the 51 Accord by the UN saying, first off, you have to meet the definition of a refugee and it has to be something more than just simple, um, you know, gang violence or bad management of crime in your nation. Secondly, you have to go to an area close by and they didn't. So we're taking in people that are just, yeah, you know, conditions suck. Uh, okay. Then we're not going to even go and stop off at any of the places on the way. We're going to go straight to the border. We're going to traverse all the way there and not stop and ask for asylum in any neighboring country. And then we're going to back all this up with the 1997 Clinton administration's lawsuit that basically says, hey, sometimes we have to separate these kids and we got to get them in, in touch with a parent, legal guardian. You know, they, they're going to be housed, but it's going to be housed nicely. You know, we had one idiot on, on MSNBC going, they're taking them to the showers like, you know, like Hitler did and, and the Nazi concentration camps. No, um, these are showers with water and soap. Not Zyklon B there, genius. But, you know, hey, this it's still the narrative. We got to blow up the narrative. Well, I think this is why I decided to do the podcast today, at least the quick rant, because and it's going to be longer than a quick rant, but it's not going to be a full podcast because we needed to to break this apart. You know, immigration policy was a threat in the second Clinton uh, pre uh, election. Bob Dole. I, I heard a commercial where Bob Dole said, well, you know, we need to stop Clinton from being reelected because if Clinton wins, we lose. Talking about immigration. Well, he won and we didn't really lose. But then George W. Bush gets in power with his fully stocked three branches of government on his side. And what does he do? Nothing on immigration. They don't build a wall. They don't do anything. And so obviously both sides are involved in this because Laura Bush is going to get out there and say, well, you know, separation of kids and from mothers is evil. And, you know, they don't care about Planned Parenthood permanently separating kids from their mothers, parents from their kids. They don't care about that. They don't care. This, this whole argument is crap. OK, and the left buys it up because they hate Trump so much that it's just easy to side with the stupid argument and pretend that it's, it is what it is when it's more than that. Okay. And then you get into 
the Christian side. Oh, I never saw so many hypocrites, so many people that booed God at the 2012 convention where they had to redefine whether or not they wanted to put in the, the Democrat Party platform God. They wanted to add, they booed God twice on TV. And now they're going to get up there with books and Hillary Clinton's going to talk about what Jesus would do. And people on MSNBC are going to quote, quote scripture and think that they know what they're talking about because they have a degree. I'm like, you can have a degree in theology all you want. That doesn't mean you know a daggone thing about it. That doesn't mean you even live it. And in fact, the guy who talked about it is a Muslim. But anyways, he's going to preach to us and we're going to sit there and be and let them hijack Christianity. And we're going to say, oh, you know, it's no big deal, you know. It's, it's almost like what happened with um, the organizations that are chiming in. You know, you got the Methodist Church. We're going to bring Jeff Sessions up on church crimes. What? What is that? I mean, I couldn't. When I saw them, like, what, are they going to arrest him? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And then you get into these groups that are in, involved with um, the chastising of Trump's policy or even immigration policy. In general, I mean, you know, and this is nothing more than a media distraction from what's really going on. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to just keep on with this. So let's talk about what some of these organizations are doing. I mean, some of them are trying to involve themselves and say, well, we're we're going to be against Trump's policies. You know, here's a fun fact, gang. Not every Christian organization is free from progressive infection. Some are being exploited for uh, progressive political ends, but you got to follow the money. I started checking in. There's this Vote Common Good organization, and they're these group of Christians that are going to do a bus tour, and they're going to fight against the immigration policy of the Trump administration. Well, let's find out who these people are. Looking at their website, they're a 501c4 organization because they're probably more political, so that's not anything nefarious, but... They're looking to mobilize groups of concerned Christians, dismayed Republicans, and the newly politically involved against the immigration policies of Trump. And, you know, the the beauty of being a 501c4 organization is you don't get to see their financials. But 501c3 organizations do, and we get to see the we get to see the contributors and financial backers of those who are aligned with this organization because they have a few of them on their website. Interestingly, one of the organizations is Red Letter Christians. Ooh, sounds like a good, solid Christian group, huh? Orion Trickery. He's listed as the board member head on their 990 IRS tax filings because Red Letter Christians is a 501c3, so we can see that. He's also, when you look up his name, he is pastor and free Methodist minister and board member of LaSalle Church in Chicago. Interestingly enough, LaSalle Street Church, came, they quoted this themselves, came out of the closet for gay marriage and proclaims themselves a very progressive church. So simply because you see Christian organizations leaping into the fray, uh, you know, providing condemnation over immigration policy, realize there's more than meets the eye to their intentions. Some are just off on biblical context, just as much as Nancy Pelosi is reading the book of Job, okay? Some of these idiots are pretending to be Christian groups, but they're actually progressive activists. And in fact, they're involved with the Catholic Church right now. Podesta wrote an email. There was an email that, that's in the WikiLeaks from John Podesta talking about we should, you know, encourage the Catholic Spring. 
what would be the Catholic spring? Well, we're going to infect them with progressive ideology because they need to, uh, you know, get with the times. So there's groups out there that are claiming to be Christian groups that are actually progressive activist groups. And we really got to be paying attention to that because on the outside, it could look innocent and we could be going, okay, there's a lot of Christians outraged over this. What's going on? And on the inside, it's all garbage. And we want to talk about later on with some of these uh, idiots pretending to use the Bible for the uses that they intend to use it for. Like they're going to hijack religion to push progressive ideology and make us think that we're not good Christians because we don't support it. And that brings us to uh, news anchors that are Muslim who have bachelor's degrees in religion lecturing us and taking us to church about our beliefs in Christianity and how immigration policy goes against that. Okay, so Jim Acosta was asking about where in the Bible it says that this is legitimate. Let me stop and say, uh, some of you don't know, know this perhaps about me, but I have a bachelor's degree in religion, not in business. This is important to say because we're about to go to church. Sticking with the spirit of what would Jesus do, we actually did dig through the Bible to find passages that lent themselves to the current border practice of separating migrant children from their parents. And I want to begin with Matthew uh, chapter 19, verse 14. But Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 3. Thus saith the Lord, execute ye judgment and righteousness and deliver the spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor and do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, nor the widow, neither shed innocent blood in his place. All right, let's uh, go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 42. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Not finished yet. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 10. Woe unto them that decree unrighteousness decrees and that write grievousness which they have prescribed to turn aside the needy from judgment and to take away the right from the poor of my people that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. And I'm not done yet. Let's go to Matthew uh, chapter 25 again, this time verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of my brethren, ye have done it unto me. That's just a small sampling of what's in the Bible. Okay. He's got us, doesn't he? So let's take these uh, one at a time. Matthew 25, 40, like he said, and the king will answer them, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for, for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So what is he talking about there? Well, Jesus will judge people based on their reception and treatment of the least of his brothers and sisters. The words refer to Jesus's followers who seek to do God's will. Humble and compassionate treatment of Jesus's followers necessarily accompanies acceptance of the gospel they proclaim. Those who shouldn't show no compassion to Jesus's followers betray their lack of devotion to them. So this right here basically has nothing to do with immigration. And in fact, says that the Democrats should probably be nicer to Christians because 
Those are the least of his brothers and sisters. Now, Matthew 19, 14 has nothing to do with immigration. He was blessing the children that people were saying, look, uh, Jesus is talking over there. You kids stay away. And he's like, no. Then the children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, leave the children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me, Jesus, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Not from coming to America, not from coming and being put in a detention center. I mean, this, that's ridiculous to use that as a basis of immigration policy. He goes on with what, Jeremiah 22.3, which basically said, this is what the Lord says, administer justice and righteousness, rescue the victim of robbery from his oppressor, don't exploit or brutalize the resident alien, the fatherless, the widow, don't shed innocent blood in this place. He's talking about the kings of uh, the Judean kings of the period. He's talking about, you know, he's not saying America has to rescue these people under government policy. We have non-governmental organizations, Christian organizations, church groups. They do these things. They have outreach. They have aid. They provide, we provide aid as a country to these other countries. So, and we're administering justice and righteousness by taking them at the border and sending them back home because that is the righteous uh, injustice of our laws. You know, we're helping. We are our brother's keeper. I get that. And we help those in need. But the government has a policy too. So you can do both things at once. You can help those in need by providing aid and providing, you know, uh, some sort of help and some sort of charity and some sort of, uh, you know, giving of yourself. But that doesn't mean the government has to take you in under amnesty just because you have a bad crime rate. You got a bad crime situation. And then he goes with Isaiah 10. Woe to those enacting crooked statutes and writing oppressive laws to keep the poor from getting a fair trial and to, to deprive the needy among my people of justice so that the widows can be their spoil and they can plunder the fatherless. You know, that's Isaiah condemning man-made laws that corrupted justice of God's laws. God's law protected the socially vulnerable, the poor, the widows, the fatherless. Any law that the, that the kings of that time were making that were flying in the face of those laws, those are the ones that he is condemning. I mean, these aren't crooked laws. These aren't crooked statutes. They weren't self-serving statutes that bolstered money in the back pockets of people like Donald Trump. So the premise of this guy's argument is completely garbage. And yeah, I didn't like Jeff Sessions using Bible verses because he didn't fully give the context of the fact that the Apostle Paul looked at Romans 13 as being, I mean, he's in Rome. He gets beheaded at the end of it all. And he's basically saying that, yeah, God did give or, you know, or, ordinance to government. Government is a godly thing, but the idea of government, but... If the government infringes on what your beliefs are, you hang fast to the beliefs because that's what it's all about. So Sessions was wrong there, but this idiot was even wrong in trying to, in to you know, rebuke him by using these Bible verses. And if you can listen to his voice, you can hear the utter contempt. You can hear him trying to 
think, oh, I got one on them. I know the Bible because I've got a degree. I got a shingle that shows it and he's going to run around. I'm going to get those people. And so he's using the Bible out of spite and using it incorrectly. He's misinterpreting the, the, I mean, the freaking Bible, God's word. So everybody involved in this argument is acting stupid. Everything's stupid. Everything has been stupid for years, especially the last three. But this whole argument is being portrayed as something it's not. You know, this they're separating women and kids. No. People don't even know who they're coming with. Some of them might be sex traffickers. Some of them might be drug, drug mules. And some of them might even be Hezbollah terrorists. But then at the same time, we've got statutes that we understand. And this goes back from 1951's UN uh, Amnesty Accord. It also goes into the 1997 case law of Flores versus uh, um, um, Roe. And it also goes into the policies that have been carried over from administration after administration. And where were these people complaining and crying about the immigrant status back in 2014 when all of this was hitting the fan under Obama? Well, it's their president, and they don't want to make him look bad. But they have no problem making somebody with an R in front of his name, whether it be Kasich, whether it be Cruz, whether it be Rubio, Bobby Jindal, anyone who would have sat in the presidency and had taken the stand would have gotten the same treatment, even though it is Donald Trump. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Adrian Slade. You can check out the podcast. It's on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker. Tune in, iHeart. You can also get the free Roku channel in your streaming store, Adrian Slade Show Roku channel. Donate, patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show. $2 a month or you pick the amount. Thanks, and we'll see you guys next time.